There's a clause in the Constitution that most American politicians know well. It's the one that states, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. We're going to turn now to a story that puts the religious test clause, well, to the test. It begins with the arrival of newly elected Republican Senator Reed Smoot in Washington, D.C., February 1903. The 41-year-old businessman from Utah was eager to begin his term, but Smoot's path to public service was anything but smooth. Petitions and letters of protest poured into the Senate, demanding that Smoot be removed from office. Whether or not Reed Smoot would remain Senator Reed Smoot was debated in a series of hearings over the next four years. They would be like the Watergate hearings Mm -hmm. in our day or the Iran-Contra hearings. So a lot of press coverage. A lot of press coverage. The sense that a lot was at stake. This is historian Kathleen Flake. To the protesters, there was a lot at stake because Smoot was Mormon. By this time, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the federal government had clashed for more than six decades, and Mormonism loomed large in the fears of Protestant America. Some saw the Mormons' control of Utah as theocratic, but even those worries were eclipsed by what was seen as the Mormons' most egregious offense. People were concerned that Mormonism as a revelatory system was lawless. The evidence provided for that was people's willingness to practice polygamy. Even though the Church of Latter-day Saints had officially given up the practice of plural marriage in 1890, in part to pave the way for Utah statehood, non-Mormons weren't buying it. Which brings us to the outrage over Senator-elect Smoot. Now, he was nothing like the stereotype of the bearded Mormon patriarch that filled the pages of popular culture, He was a clean-cut guy, and he only had one wife. But he still wasn't your average Mormon. He was one of the 12 apostles at the top of the church hierarchy. And they are the cadre from which the president of the Mormon church is chosen. So he was on track to become the leader of the Mormon church. So the, the argument that was made in favor of these hearings before the Senate Committee on Privileges and Elections was that he was a member of the leadership of a law-breaking institution, so how could he sit in the National Lawmaking Congress? The Senate committee sought to answer a bigger question. To whom would Smoot be loyal? To the nation or to his church president? The Senate hearings began in 1904, a year after Smoot's arrival in Washington. There comes a point in Smoot's testimony where they ask him, do you believe in obeying the law of God or the law of the land? And it's that frankly asked. To our modern sensibilities, this seems wrong. Remember that clause in the Constitution that says no religious test is required to hold public office? There is a moment where they're asking Smoot about his religious conscience. And one of the senators says, are we able to ask that question? That's a religious question. We're not supposed to ask those kinds of questions. And another senator answered, well, for us, what is religious is for them political, so it's okay for us to ask it. It's difficult to imagine that committee, each of them in their own way, being a pillar of their churches 
would ever have allowed that question to be asked of themselves. In fact, they could not imagine that they could do anything religiously that would conflict with their nation's values or political interests. Because they lived in a Christian nation. And they lived in a Protestant nation. In other words, the separation of church and state went only so far in the early 20th century. It was widely assumed that the state was Christian. And for many people, Mormons weren't. And so this was a common thread in in the nation's experience with Mormonism. They were trying to sort out what was religious citizenship for the purposes of the First Amendment. Right. Are the Mormons protectable? Can they claim that kind of protection? But Flake says the Senate committee wanted to address more than just Smoot's spiritual conflict of interest. They had a more pressing question for the gentleman from Utah. Were the Latter-day Saints still practicing polygamy, even though 15 years earlier they had promised that they would not? To answer this, the Senate subpoenaed LDS President Joseph F. Smith, nephew of Mormonism's founder, along with seven of the church's 12 apostles. And the problem the president has is that it is being practiced. (laughs) Since this was against federal law, the Mormon patriarchs had to answer carefully. But it was difficult for the Senate to prove anything, especially when LDS leaders gave evasive answers. To up the ante, the committee brought in outside witnesses, including a detective who made it his mission to find and expose illicit Mormon marriages. At a certain point in that testimony, Smoot leans across the table and grabs him by his suit and calls him a liar. And Smoot is a very mild man. So this was at this, least up till that point. Until that point. But um, this this was a very trying moment for the Latter-day Saints as well as very aggravating to the nation. This was a make-or-break moment for the Mormons. Many of the church's most vocal critics, mostly Protestant ministers and social reformers, saw the hearings as a chance to stamp out what they called the Mormon problem. By proving that Mormons were unwilling or unable to reject polygamy, they hoped to bring Smoot down and the church's political power with him. So it sounds like, really, it was Mormonism that was on trial at these hearings, not not Senator Smoot himself. And I don't merely infer that this was a trial of the Mormon church. The chairman of the Senate committee said that it was a trial of the Mormon church and Mm -hmm. that, that Reed Smoot was the opportunity to put these leaders of the Mormon church under oath and demand of them to know whether they were still practicing polygamy. The hearing became a referendum on that issue. These hearings continued on and off for the next three years. When they were all over in 1907, the Senate committee recommended that Smoot not keep his seat. The deciding vote then went to the full Senate, and they ruled in Smoot's favor. So how, after years of bitterness and conflicting testimony, did Smoot pull this off? Well, a few things were in play here. First, the Mormons publicly fired two polygamous apostles and promised they'd start cracking down on plural marriage. And Smoot had been a senator for four years. His colleagues liked him. But perhaps most important of all, he had a key ally, President Teddy Roosevelt, 
Roosevelt wanted to win over Western voters, and he wanted Republican senators like Smoot to represent them. Once the president was convinced the Latter-day Saints would abandon polygamy, he marshaled his forces in the Senate to vote in favor of the Mormon senator. And in the process... The nation is able to define what is permissibly religious that is not Protestant. Kathleen, when you step back and look at the long history of the Church of the Latter-day Saints in the United States, are these hearings a turning point for the acceptance of Mormons in America? These hearings are a huge turning point. They had been, throughout the 19th century, identified as licentious because of their plural marriages, and they'd been viewed as un-American because of their theocratic, revelatory organization. When the Mormon Church stops polygamy, and they have in the senator a man who personifies the Victorian morality of the day, and he himself is such an upright, boring middle-class guy, right? (laughs) He sells it. Yes, definitely. And what happens, we all know, in the course of the 20th century, they become representatives of the exact reverse. Hyper-patriotic, hyper-capitalist, and hyper... And prudish. Prudish, and also representative of that kind of 1950s Ozzie and Harriet marriage, (laughs) right? So they do this 180-degree turn in the 20th century... Today, most Americans aren't bothered by the seven senators who are members of the LDS Church. And Mitt Romney, a prominent Mormon, captured the Republican nomination for president in 2012. Kathleen Flake says that change in attitude can be traced back to the Smoot hearings and the 30 years he served in the Senate. By the time he leaves, he has achieved for Mormons what they want the most, which is the nation forgets about them. And so the Mormons, too, are able to assimilate their past in a much more harmonious relationship with the nation. Kathleen Flake is a historian at the University of Virginia. She's the author of The Politics of Religious Identity, The Seating of Senator Reed Smoot, Mormon Apostle. <laughs> 